Welcome to the Rainmaker Podcast, where we elevate marketing leaders inside and out. I'm your host, Veronica Romney, master marketer, executive leader, and mentor to ambitious marketing leaders wanting to advance their careers. Each episode is filled with genuine, unscripted conversations with some of the world's top marketing experts, accomplished leaders, and industry trailblazers representing brands, both large and small. Our goal with this podcast and everything we do is to help you master your role, nurture your team, prioritize your well-being, and evolve into an industry-leading rainmaker. This is the Rainmaker Podcast. In today's podcast, our guest has an impressive career track record in the digital marketing industry. She's been a steadfast member of the same marketing agency for nearly 14 years. So when it comes to agency life, she's truly seen it all and has advanced to every level there is. Paula French started her journey with a company as a junior account assistant, and today she holds the position of director of sales and marketing, playing a critical and pivotal role in the company's growth by expanding their client and team base. And we dove into all the things, navigating the transition from marketing doer to marketing leader, delegating your former responsibilities and her tips to do it seamlessly, managing client and team expectations when the new role that you've been promoted to distance yourselves from them, and even overcoming imposter syndrome, something that affects all marketers. Let's make it rain today with Paula French. Paula, welcome to the Rainmaker Podcast. Thanks, Veronica. So excited to be here. Okay, I'm really excited to have you because we're kind of kindred sisters in the way that like agency life, managing external relationships, but also being a boss, a leader inside that dynamic, all the things. And the one thing that I really wanted to dive into for any of the marketers that is listening to this podcast is something that I've personally struggled with and many, 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 many Rainmakers have also struggled with, which is like, how do you realistically like live into the promotion that was given to you. A lot of people don't like it. (laughs) Like they, not that they're not Mm -hmm. happy for you, but they don't get the same version of you that they've become accustomed to, that they lean on, that they rely on. And that's happening for the clients that you worked with externally to the company. It's obviously happening with the staff, the team on the inside of the company. So like there's a lot of relationship dynamics that need to be managed once somebody decides it's time for a promotion for myself. (laughs) And you're great at this. And so thank you for being on the podcast so we can like just dive right in. Do you want to give people a little bit of context about why this topic is so relevant to your experience and why you're excited to talk about it? Sure. So I have been with Search Influence for almost 14 years. And so we have been through lots and lots of transitions, uh, you know, changes up in types of clients we worked with, who we were working with. I've been through also, also multiple roles within the company, whether that was originally moving up within the account management team and taking on different levels of clients, ultimately leading the account management team and needing to take a little bit of a step back from those clients. And then seven years ago, I moved from account management over to sales and marketing to do sales and marketing for search influence. And so it took me about two years to get out of client relationships after I made that transition. And you know, some some of that is like what the company needs, some of that is, you know, what the team needed, you know, more time training them on the things that I had been working on with the clients. But there are definitely things that looking back, you know, I could have done or done differently that I've done in other situations since then that makes that transition faster and smoother. Yeah. And so I'm just going to like say the controversial thing. I'm very anti-Frankenstein roles, like extremely anti-Frankenstein roles, maybe because it's like my own like trauma, like workplace experiences. But like when you put an A plus caliber human being who 
within their own personal values, expects a certain standard of performance and strives for excellence and is ambitious. And then you ask them to manage many masters. It's really, really a shitty position to be in because if like, okay, let's take the example that you just shared. And I've, I've been in it too. We're like, okay, like my master or my responsibility is these external clients because I'm an account manager. I'm client facing their well-being, their marketing goals is my job to communicate internally to the agency and the fulfillment center and like get it done. But then when you're kind of in this hybrid promotion where you're still managing clients, but now you're also managing other account managers and then you get promoted again and you're like, I serve many things. I serve clients, I serve account managers, and now I'm serving the company's prospect journey and marketing roadmap. That's a lot of masters to serve and report to theoretically. And it really stretches somebody who's used to A plus caliber talent to now, you know, when they're balanced, be like a C minus C plus on any given day. So not to say that you were that, but I'm just saying like in my personal experience, it's really difficult to do that sustainably over a period of time. Did you struggle with it? Give me the pros and cons. Give me the good days and bad days. Yeah, you know, the it was for me when we moved over, when I moved over to sales and marketing, we were starting a whole new department, essentially. We had always had people in sales role for the company and a marketing role for the company, but we were really trying to take it to the next level. And so the major positive thing of that was that I did have all of this great client experience, you know, I actually understood the work that we did. And so when it came to sell it and market it, we had that foundation of knowledge, which was obviously a huge thing. Also understood like the way the processes worked in account management and how could we apply that to sales and marketing, which was a major benefit compared to bringing in somebody from the outside who might not have that same, you know, that split focus in that time period of transition. So those were all those were all of the good things of being able to buy my prior experience to sales marketing. That's still that's really still true today. But the the more challenging things were like when a client might call you up and you say, Oh, you know, okay, you have a different account manager now or really back then, I don't think that I redirected anybody, you know, I think that I would take on that work and I would buy it back. And that is something that I've gotten a lot, lot better at in that time and really recognize that it's okay to do that is to essentially say, you know, okay, so I pass this on to so-and-so and and they're going to reach out to you about it. Being comfortable enough and confident enough to say that and that the client is going to be okay with that. And then also, of course, you need to have the team to back you up on that and be able to fulfill and come through on that, the thing that's being asked. I think what you said, it made me reflect. I'm like, oh, that's pretty brilliant. Like there have been certain organizations that I've been a part of where they had like a very robust like customer avatar profile. We named her and him and what like it was already done by my predecessor or people before me. And so like even though I personally wasn't the avatar or I didn't have the empathy as like I'm not the customer that we're trying to market towards because of the work that had been harvested and done and profiled and all that stuff, I gained a, I, I, it was a shortcut. But however... <laughs> majority of the workplaces that I've been a part of had none of that. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here in reflection. I think the way, the only way that I was able to be a really efficient rainmaker was because I would try really hard to find my personal story in the story of the prospect. So like, even if I was selling software to renters, I'm like, well, I used to be a renter. Or if I'm selling digital products for ambitious, you know, women, unapologetically ambitious women, well, I am an unapologetically ambitious woman. So like that gave me a shortcut. But to your point, 
because you start off on the front lines with the customers, with your clients in that kind of account manager, individual contribution role, you really could articulate their needs. And so that when you get promoted to overseeing all marketing efforts for the agency, you knew the people you were marketing to immediately because you just worked with them for how long? Is that what you like? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you still do like the mechanics of like, the customer profile, like, do you still do all that? Even though you were just like, I, I know these people, I got it. Yeah, no, we did, especially because we we're hiring salespeople sure. to come in and work with us, uh, which ultimately did end up being a really major challenge. Bringing in people who didn't know the, the clients as mm -hmm. well to sell it ultimately wasn't as successful. We found the most success with Will Scott, our CEO and co-founder, and I ultimately being the salespeople. And we have, you know, when we bring account managers in to do some direct selling, that that really works well too, because. In our industry, you know, expertise is—it really, really means so much. And so, in order to have that person at the forefront of that conversation, really makes makes a huge difference and gives us a leg up. Did you like sales before you? I mean, like, I've I've had a, a rocky relationship with sales, but ironically, I'm a marketer who married a sales guy, so I literally go to bed with sales. <laughs> but I personally did not self-identify as a salesperson. I I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, where I just like yuck. <laughs> like, I don't want to self-identify that way. Did you ever struggle with that? I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, people, some people say like sales is a four letter word. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I never realized how much I was already selling. Yeah. Uh, if you actually look at several of the clients that we still have today, uh, I brought on when I was in, in account management and was simply just, you know, going to talk to a new company that was interested in working with us. And yeah. and I really looked at that as sales and looking back, you're like, oh, okay, that's sales. And, you know, it, I do think that there is something sort of natural in my blood about being a salesperson. Um, a little funny story is that when I, you know, was super little, like, you know, five or six years old, you know, we had, we would do lemonade stands on the weekend so that we could go buy frozen Cokes at the Shell station. And one day it was raining and my friend and I wanted to sell lemonade and go get our frozen cokes. And so we went door to door and sold lemonade in the cold rain, right? Because nobody, nobody's going to be out buying lemonade. So natural, just like a natural instinct to go out and, and do whatever I got to do. Do you know what? That gives me a lot of hope because you're such a badass today. I'm like, well, so my son, my oldest had like a little cookie shop in our front yard. And so he's waiting for the people to come to him because that's, you know, little kids are like, they come to me <laughs> and they weren't. And that kid without any prompt, without no one, no one coerced him. No one suggested it. He's like, all right, well, then I go to the people. So he would go door to door and try to sell the cookie for 20 bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then neighbors were like, well, I think that's a little too steep, bud. And he's like, well, how much you got in your wallet? We can just check. Like it was just like, <laughs> and so if you're telling me that that little story is a glimmer of what he can become and look at you, I'm good. I'm in a good spot as a parent. So thank you for that. <laughs> that's great. I love it. <laughs> okay. I want to get into like your greatest hits or your greatest tips, I should say, because I struggled with this as an account manager. I, I worked at it two agencies back to back before then starting my own. And so I know agency life very well. And I actually really like being an account manager. I liked forming relationships with these independent business owners, our marketing teams. Like I like becoming a mini expert with everything. And so like, I think that they obviously 
felt the sincerity and the genuineness of my desire to get to know them and to want to be like an, an extension of their team just on the agency side. So when it was time for me to tell them, I got to go for whatever, either I'm leaving the company, I'm getting promoted in a different, different role, different capacity, just whatever. I'm no longer your go-to. I, it would make me feel bad. And I'm like, is this my people pleasing? No, I don't think I, anyways, like it just, it made me feel bad. And I don't think I always did it with the greatest finesse. So like, how do you do it? Or how have you done it so well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some of it sometimes comes just organically, like over time, the account manager kind of starts to like step in and take over a little bit, you know, a little bit greater, and they get to be seen as the expert in the client's eyes. But sometimes you don't necessarily have the luxury of like having that slow transition. And so when you need to make it just happen, you know, ultimately being just really upfront about the, with the client and communicating it to them. I mean, ideally you can give them some notice if it's reality, assure them that you're still there in the background. And if it makes sense, you know, maybe you can set the expectation that you will be present with them every so often. You know, if there's like a quarterly meeting that can be established or a quarterly check-in that you have, something like that, um, where they know that you're not disappearing completely. And then having some type of transition meeting, definitely, of course, internally, right? But with the client to actually say like, okay, let's close the, you know, close the book on everything we've done thus far. Let's do a recap. And then now let's talk about, you know, what's upcoming. And then you're having their new point of contact be the person who's leading that meeting. So they have that opportunity to establish that trust and really build that rapport. If it's possible, you know, go to lunch so that new person can build rapport with that individual or the teams that you work with. So, you know, not everybody's always in the same city, so you might not necessarily have that. So just, you know, a Zoom can also be a super helpful thing. Yeah, well, especially post-COVID, it's the standard Mm -hmm. now. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Rainmakers, it's Veronica, and we'll get back to today's episode. But before that, I have an exciting invitation for all of you aspiring, ambitious marketing leaders. If you are serious about advancing your career in marketing and you're looking for an expert to give you some personal insights, guidance, tips, then I'm going to invite you to schedule a free pathway to promotion call with me. This is a special one-on-one call with just you and me to discuss your current roadblocks in your career, your long-term aspirations and ambition, and the next best step for you and your personal promotion. Head to pathwaycall.com or click the link in my show notes to schedule your free pathway to promotion call. Now back to today's episode. So you, you are strategic about like a weaning off process. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And we, you know, as an agency, we have had to do a lot of transitions. Um, we, have maternity leaves. We have a lot, sure. a lot of women between, you know, in ages of 25 and 35. And so we had uh, six maternity leaves last year, actually. Uh, yeah. Wow. So we manage, we are, I feel like we're very, very good at managing this transition process. We have pretty good documentation around it. And, you know, our clients kind of know what to expect. And they do, of course, a lot of our clients are, are long-term. And so they, they trust and understand mm-hmm. that our full team is there for them. It's not just that one person mm-hmm. that they see every day. And that's something that we actually take a lot of pride in is helping make sure our clients do see that the account manager is not the only person working on them. They do understand the other functions behind the scenes sure, and know, you know, 
Marissa on the OA team or Corey from the SEO team, that they actually know who those people are. So then when the person steps out or that person's on maternity leave, you know, they're super duper familiar with the other people that are working on those accounts. Yeah, because it makes total sense. Like I've built this relationship with somebody. Now you're saying that I need to be in a relationship with somebody else. Can you at least vouch for them? The more legit the transfer the more confidence instilled in the client. Mm -hmm. That like all of this, not just like personal rapport, but professional, like, I mean, how much human capital does that account manager have? And does that walk out the door as soon as they're no longer sitting in that seat? Like, oh, do I really have to start over? Do I have to train somebody again? Are you going to pass the baton in human capital from one account manager to another for me so I don't have to do it? Like all of those questions that can be done or, or reassured goes a really long way with clients not mm-hmm. having to do double the work just because your company made a move or somebody had a right. baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So give me your tips on, let's not the external side of a promotion or a change in your role, but the internal. Because one of the things that we work really hard with our Rainmakers in our residency program is like walking the tightrope of leadership. So being involved enough, but not so much that you're creating codependency, giving enough constructive feedback, but you're not micromanaging. Leadership is just, it's a tightrope. With that said, you also build rapport with your people and they look to you for leadership and they feel psychologically safe when they've been with you for a period of time. And so when you have to change roles, which means your team members also change, there's some feels. How have you navigated the inside maybe the same or differently than your clients on the outside? I think internally... Proactive communication obviously helps a lot with like saying like, okay, this is now so-and-so's responsibility. You're going to be hearing from them about this moving forward. It can be really easy for your internal stakeholders to continue to come to you just as a client would might continue to come to you. And so as much as you can do as you would with a client, which, you know, I'm not going to say to a client, you know, go talk to Susie. This is her responsibility now. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to note that to Susie. And she's going to reach out to you about it. I think that that is like the slightly more nuanced response to that, as opposed to just simply redirecting them. As you go, create the opportunities for the new owner of that responsibility to get in front of those internal stakeholders so that they can see, oh, wow, okay, they've got this. They do really have this. And then, you know, simply having that time is going to make them go to that person for that thing a little bit more. I know it's really practical things, but when you're in it and you got the emotions and you got the feels and you're and there's a lot of things that you're trying to hedge against or you're worried about or the what like it's hard to remember the good foundation or the or the just the practical tips. Yeah, so I just I, I again, I just really appreciate it because a lot of our rainmakers struggle even when they're not Frankenstein roles. Let's say the company was super gracious and like not putting them in a position to serve multiple masters. I find that my rainmakers have a hard time letting go of their former position Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's safe. It's familiar. I've clocked in my 10,000 hours of mastery. The new job, the leader job, ooh, imposter syndrome. Am I really a leader? Can I do that? Like, So sometimes we see that with like, for example, when operators want to turn into marketers, and then when marketing gets really hard or the launch fails, they'll revert back to operations because it's safer. Mm-hmm. So we see mm-hmm. as much as we're talking about like practical action items, a lot of what I find in the work that I do is this is more of a psychological battleground more than anything else. So like 
Can you speak to that? I'm just curious. I think, you know, taking on the new role, you you mainly need, you need the space in your day yeah. to like not have any excuse to not work on that new role. And that goes back to making sure that you have handed off those responsibilities so that you can't revert to that. And so, you know, uh, I was just talking about how to manage the stakeholders internally, but I think there's, you know, there are more effective ways to hand off your work as well. And something that I've actually become a more, more of a fan of recently is time tracking your own work, you know, even if it's not client work, like actually keeping a log of what you're working on. Mm. And that will... Like if if you're doing that with a responsibility that you can hand off, number one, you can quantify it. Number two, you can explain what it is that you actually do. And then making sure that you're not doing that work in a silo. So the next time you go do it, if you're not supposed to be owning this forever, take the time just to schedule an hour for Ooh. the person who's taking it over to get to watch you do it. And then, you know, they can help with making some documentation about this thing that they're going to be taking on. You know, if they're the one who is going to have to own it in the future, they can own the documentation. You don't have to be the one to like create this like perfect how to document of what to do. You know, they're the ones they're probably getting this new responsibility as a good opportunity for them. And so give them a little bit of the of the onus as well. Yeah, no, I like that. Again, it's a transfer of ownership, exactly how you were saying it. You struggle with a new identity or you flirt with the imposter syndrome when there is a lack of control. And so if, if it's like, I knight thee, you now own this. Like, it's just like, a symbolic gesture to help somebody make that jump, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then hopefully you'll have the time to, or then you should have the time to do your own new, new job. job. Yeah. And then set goals for yourself for each quarter. Ooh. I mean, I know that's it's like, yeah, does that sound like how many times have people told you set goals? Yeah. But think about like a quarter, we do quarterly individual priorities on the leadership team. So we have like company quarterly priorities, but we also have individual priorities. Like what is the one thing I need to do as a leader to move the department forward in the next quarter? And that helps me think about working on the business and not in the business. And it helps me take that step back and really think, what is something that I can do that in three months from now, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I finally figured this thing out that's been bugging me. That's really cool that you're, first of all, an agency that lasts more than a decade is like legit. (laughs) So like, because man, agencies pop up and they go. And on top of that, because I know it's it's your husband and wife duo at the top, but like on top of that, the fact they both prioritize both your personal development and professional development and company. I mean, like it's all together is, I mean, what a beautiful testament to true leadership in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're ready to flip the script. You get to put me on the hot seat and ask me whatever you'd like. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Well, in in kind of looking at your LinkedIn and your (laughs) resume in comparison to mine, I've been at the same company for 14 years and, you know, uh, like longevity and stability, I would say is, is been a really big thing in my career. And it's been great for what I ultimately want to do. So for you, you've done so many different things. You've worked for yourself, you have worked for other people. I remember a post that you made several years ago when you made a really hard decision to leave a job. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, how did you come to that decision? This is where it's interesting because this is, I have, talking about identity here, I really struggled to own the different parts of me because in so many ways, I still, to my core, 
identify as an internal rainmaker. Like I am one of the team. I like being behind the scenes, behind the curtain, doing the hard things in the trenches of the execution and working and leading and blah, blah, you know, all that. And then these, you know, the 4am version of me where I wake up and I have these visions (laughs) of Walt Disney World (laughs) and I haven't even broke ground and I don't have enough money in the bank to even build the Disney World. But like, there's definitely this visionary part of me. And I think if you looked at my LinkedIn, it's very reflective of like almost my own battle with myself because I leave corporate, I do my own thing, then I go back to working for somebody and then I, you know, and then I'm like, no, I got to do my own thing. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it is a true physical manifestation, I think, of more of an internal self-discovery more than anything. I don't think people realize that, but if me being me, like I can tell you that, but it doesn't make leaving easier. Like, I really care about every single place I have ever worked at. Some of them more than others were like, I'm crying in the car in the parking lot on my last day, you know? And then like months later, I'm like, why did I leave? (laughs) I was so stupid. (laughs) So that was definitely Entrada. Like I had many months after, even though I already had my agency and I was already up and running and we were probably like 700, 800,000 a year already, like revenue wise that we were pacing. And it doesn't even matter. I was still like on my knees crying. Like, why did I leave? It was so good to me. So it's not easy. And I think anybody that leaves the position after a long period of time, you kind of leave a former version of yourself. And so that's also psychologically hard because I had my babies at Entrada. I was beloved at Entrada. Like I, it's, it was so significant in my personal family journey too. It was all the things. And like you said, like that, I, I was in the spread of 25 to 35 popping out kids, like in that particular experience. But I do know to be true that like intuition wise, like I've never been wrong. And so like I've known when it was time to go. And I've also known when I've gotten stagnant. That's probably my number one cue is if I start to feel stale because I am a forever learner, achiever, go-getter. And so when the walls of the company has done all that it has been able to do to like feed me and help me add to my tool belt and pour into my human capital. And then there comes a point where like, I feel like I've mastered everything and I like, there's nothing else to master. Then there's nothing you can really do other than just find a different challenge in a different place. So that's one thing like where I start, I know that I get itchy. Super excited for you. It's been a really long time since we first met at a conference, like almost 10 years ago. So it's been great, great to watch all of the other things that you've been doing and Thank you so much for having me today. Are you kidding me? Thank you for being on the Remaker podcast. And of course, for the listeners, we will put all of the links and the show notes and tag and all the things both to you personally, but also to your amazing organization and all the people will get a chance to connect with you further. So thank you, Paula, for being on today's Remaker podcast. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you for joining us on today's Remaker podcast. Marketers help other marketers. So if there's a marketer in your life who could really use a new perspective in a way that helps them advance their career, please pass this episode forward, share, like, leave us a review. Everything helps as we embark on helping as many marketers elevate themselves inside and out. You can always visit veronicarami.com for today's show notes, additional links to some free resources and tools for you to help you advance your career. You can always connect with us on social media at vromi if you want more behind the scenes or a way for us to connect personally. Until next time, my friends, make it rain.